Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. It's your girl, Sonya McQueen, with your mind, your body, your choice. You know, lately I've really been heavy on your mind and your choices. Um, I, I really don't speak that much about your body, such as giving up a child for adoption or aborting or um, incest, molestation, things that you've survived through rape. I don't really speak about that as much as I do your mind and the way your childhood rears, especially my childhood rears my adulthood. Um, and I'm gonna continue on that trend today with with more of the um, the way we think and the way we move, some of us, and and why why we do the things we do. So the other day I was drinking some water. I believe it was a 48 ounces of water and I was on the phone I suddenly said on the phone you know oh wow my cup is half empty and the person I was speaking to was like oh you said your cup is half empty and I said yeah and they were like oh that makes you up um, that word that means you see things negatively and so I laughed and I was like a pessimist so he's like, yeah, yeah, that makes you a pessimist. So I asked him, why me looking at my glass half empty or my, my container half empty, why does that make me a pessimist? Like, oh, you know the saying, if, it, if you see it half full, you're an optimist. If you see it half empty, you're a pessimist. So my response was, yeah, but I do this twice a day. You know, I, I have to drink so many ounces of water a day. So when I see I've drank a whole 24 ounces in just a couple of seconds, I feel good. So my glass is half empty. It's half empty and I'm good. And I'm happy about it being that close to being empty. And if it was more, I'd be even happier. That makes me optimistic. That means I know I'm gonna finish this water within the next 30 minutes and I'll be able to have my second um, 48 ounces with no problem. We both laugh because he said I'm always, I always have an alternate way of thinking. I think everybody should have an alternate way of thinking. When it comes to so many subjects, it has been downloaded in us to think and feel a certain way. But what if that certain way you feel isn't always the right way? What if there's another way to look at things? You know, sometimes we get so stuck on the way we think and the way we feel, we miss other people's point of view because we just know what we know and we think the way we feel is the right way because we're raised this way, because this is how everybody I've ever been around does this. Oh, you know, everybody does this. There's nothing everybody does. Let me throw that out there other than breathe if you're alive. We all breathe if we're alive. That's it. There is nothing. Everybody doesn't eat rice. Everybody doesn't walk. Everybody doesn't sleep. Eventually. But not well. You know, so I don't like broad terms like everybody does it. If you couldn't tell with the way I just reacted. So, he said that I... I well, going back to my story, um, the guy I was speaking to said... 
I have a way of turning things around like that, making people think. And I said then, good, good. Because one thing I'm, I'm really learning about myself is, you know how some people, they don't like to be wrong. They always have to be right and they never want to see somebody else's point of view. That's 100% not me unless it's one particular person. And it's not that I always want to be right. I love this person so much, I never want to seem like I'm wrong in their eyes. And that sounds weird, but it, for me, the way I was raised, I was constantly being blamed for stuff I wasn't doing, accused of stuff that wasn't happening, and any negative thing I did was met with frowns and uhs and, you know, negative reinforcement, not positive, you'll do better next time. I'll never forget, had a track meet, I was at state, and I was running the 100, and I was running for the finals, you know, to see if I could get a place into being uh, in the top eight. And in my heat, I got third place. And when I came out of, you know, I went up in the stands, I had a family member in the stands, it was my dad. Instead of saying, you know, wow, thinking about the fact, number one, I made it to state again. Again, I was a junior, I've made it to state. Um, I've already broken two records at the time, my 11th grade year, two or three records, I can't remember, but I had the triple jump record in Missouri and Colorado and I had the 200 in Missouri, so three. And now I'm competing for the 100. I believe I had the 100 in Missouri and the 200, so I might have broken four records by then. Anyhow, it was what happened out there. And so instantly I felt the need to come up with an excuse why I got third place. It couldn't be that the two girls were faster than me. It had to be a reason that I got third and not first, so I said I didn't feel well. And he looked at me and said, you didn't feel well? He didn't say nothing about that earlier. And instantly I felt bad about the fact here I am at state, just placed third in my heat. Now, mind you, I still had an opportunity to make it to the final, which I did. Um, but it was the fact for him that I didn't place first, and here I, I traveled all this way to see you. Now that same event, I placed first in the triple jump and um, broke broke the record there in that state. Um, and I ended up making it to the final in the 100. Not only was I there for the triple jump in the 100, but I made it for the 200 too. I made three events to state. And he was focused on the fact that in that 100, I don't even remember what I did in the 200 to be honest, so I must not have placed. I might have made it to the finals, but I didn't, you know, get first, second, or third. But I ended up with the 100 yard dash in second overall in the entire state of Colorado. I got second. I wasn't pleased. He wasn't pleased. I got first in the triple jump, and I must not have placed in the top in the 200. But my whole point is. That should have been an event that was celebrated. So now, when things don't go 100% the way they're supposed to, and somebody questions me about it that I love, I instantly feel like I need to defend 
not just give a quick explanation and we be, oh, okay, and keep it moving. No, I have to defend the fact that why I swept, but I didn't pick the trash up. The trash is just under the broom right now. I got to defend that. I can't just say, oh, well, I wasn't done. Or, you know, I had something else and I went and did that and I forgot about it. So can you get it for me? I, I, I feel like I have to defend everything that is questioned. And I know that stems from simple things like making it to state and being questioned why I didn't get first or um, running and being asked why, you know, I didn't go an extra mile or I was uh, an editor for our school newspaper and asking why one of my articles wasn't on the front page. Why was it in the inside? Now, all my written articles couldn't make front page. That's not fair to anybody else. And I'm a damn good writer. Recognize that. Recognize that I've been recognized and got an award for my writing in school. But all that falls short. And I don't really remember the good because the bad was outlined to me so much. Any of you understand that? How... You know, you do something so well and nobody really, really points it out the way they do the things you do wrong. You know, that's why any anybody who reports to me, and if anybody has ever worked under me and is listening to this, especially at the Department of Health, um, I celebrated everybody. If it was your birthday, I celebrated you like you were the man or you were the woman. And I've had six people this year. I haven't worked for the Department of Health in almost three years now. I've had six people this year contact me to tell me that the best boss they ever had was me. You don't know how good that feels, how, how that just melts my heart, and how the best birthday parties, three of them said they've ever had in their entire life was one I threw on. Uh, one gentleman told me I had a way of making people feel like kings and queens. And somebody who was over me at the Department of Health one time in a meeting, I think I said this before, all the directors and managers were in this meeting, so there were about 60 of us in the room. And he specifically said my name, Sonia McQueen, has a way of treating her team in a way they want to do the best work they possibly could do to please her. They will push a mountain out of the way for her. She doesn't have to worry about them running late. They come early and she has to tell them to go home at the end of the day. They give 100% because she gives them 100%. There's no greater joy in hearing things like that. No greater joy. But for some reason, when it comes to my personal life, that's where I want things to be perfect. And nobody can be perfect in any aspect of their life. But you strive for it, you know? What is the saying? The closer to perfection you get, the closer you are to God. Uh, but the day you're perfect is the day you know you're dead. So, in my personal life, when anything goes wrong, I feel like I have to defend it. Now, not with my kids, but with my husband. I just want him to see everything in a positive light when it comes to me. That's not reality. 
I meant it when I said me and my husband, we don't fight. We never called each other out of our... As a matter of fact, I've never been with anybody who's called me out of my name. But we don't call each other out of our names. We don't raise our voices. Sometimes I get excited when we talk and he'll say, yeah, you know, you, you're getting a little loud. But it's not yelling. It's just the inflection of my voice because I get excited just like I do here. Sometimes I get a little louder and then other times I calm down. But we pretty much talk things out. But when it's something he's asking me about, I instantly get defensive. And it's something I am working on because I recognize it now. I didn't before. But I think I've always been like this. I think in past relationships, if I was questioned about anything, I get defensive. And not only in my past relationships did I get defensive, once I said what I said, I didn't want to hear anything else. I was good for saying things like, oh, I was done talking. <laughs> You're still talking? Of course, that makes a man feel like less than a man when you speak to him like that. And I'll look at you like I dare you to say something. My personality never said it was right. But I'm learning more about myself as these podcasts go on. <sighs> this past weekend, we had a guest at the house. And I was very happy to have this guest. And the guest was very happy to be here so I could cook for them. So anybody who comes here to visit and they want to come to this house, I already know they want a nice home-cooked meal um, and that's something I, I'm known for making really good food and yes I am bragging I make good food and I bake extremely well but back to the point um, the gentleman was saying to me and my husband and my daughter you know and there were other people here that everything that happened to him in his childhood he's passed it you know he he had to let that stuff go he had a horrible childhood, but he, it doesn't reflect the man he is today. And he's let all that go. The man he is today is 100% not the way he was raised, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. And I was trying to let him know how sadly mistaken he is. But it was going to become a back and forth, a tug of war, and I didn't want to be a, in a tug of war. And I definitely didn't want to make him feel like what he felt about his life was wrong. But I want to give you guys some case in points. He grew up poor, so he didn't really have much. You know, they grew up poor. I grew up poor too, but I didn't know I was poor. That's the difference. He knew he was poor. He knew he had hand-me-downs in clothing, and he knew... You know, he had a peasy head sometimes and things like that. But now, every chance he gets, he's hustling to buy the latest and greatest shoes, clothes. He got to be clean all the time. He always posted about how clean he is, how his kicks are the newest, spending hundreds of dollars on shoes and not thinking about the future and putting money aside. And he doesn't understand the reason he does that is because he grew up without. Now, I'm not 100% sure that's the reason. You know, psychology classes were a couple of decades ago, but he is fulfilling a void he had as a kid. So now he's ensuring I got the latest and the greatest and I'm clean all the time. Somebody who grows up with that, it's not a big deal to go out of their way to make sure they have the latest and greatest. As a matter of fact, 
we can afford the latest and greatest, but I just want what I want. If I go through Walmart and see a shirt that I really, really like, I'm buying that shirt. That shirt does not have to say White Market Black House, which is one of my favorite stores. That shirt did not have to come from whatever name brand you could think of. Do I have name brand stuff? Of course I have name brand stuff because I like what I like. I'll spend $200 for a pair of pants that I know I'm going to have for the next couple of decades as opposed to a pair of pants that look just like it for $15 that I know are sewn poorly and they're not going to be good for another month. I'll do that, but I'll also go buy those $15 pants that I like that are on sale at Target. I, I don't have a preference when it comes to stuff like that. My purses don't have to be Coach. They don't have to be Michael Kors. I will go on Amazon, find me some really nice purses that I get a million compliments on that only cost $40. I'm on that. So we differ for that, but I also know growing up, I had nice stuff. I had new stuff. I never had a hand-me-down. That wasn't a problem for me. Another thing is, this uh, the family member who came, he always has to have people see his point of view. He will ask you a question, you give him your honest answer, and it's not like he wants you to bandwagon with him, but he will keep arguing his point until you see the way he sees it. And he doesn't understand, a lot of times, it's just you relenting to him. Okay, all right, all right, no problem. I get what you're saying now but you just want to end the subject. He doesn't want to see things from another point of view. It's, I want us to come together and talk, but I really do want you just to see my point and be done with it. And he doesn't understand. That also stems from his childhood, things he said to me. So sometimes people think that the things that they went through, they're good on it. They're, they're over it, it's done, it's a mood point. But no, it shaped the way you move now. It's shaped the way you move now. There might be things you have changed. Maybe you were abused and you don't abuse your kids. But maybe you don't abuse them because you have to walk away. You have to go for a drive. You gotta go have a drink. You gotta smoke that joint. You gotta sniff a line. And it keeps you calm. Maybe, you know, you, you were verbally abused, spiritually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, and you found a way not to visit that on your kids. I know even with myself, it wasn't an abuse thing, but I knew when I had kids, I was gonna let them know I love them and uh, be a parent to them and support anything they wanted to do, and I successfully did that. But I also remember during those times when I was supporting my kids, how I was not supported. I made sure to support them, but it didn't mean I forgot where I came from and how I was treated. It was intentional support I gave my kids. Now, if I was loved the way a lot of other people were loved and treated the way you know some of my peers were treated, how would I have treated my kids? Would I have treated them in kind? Would I have been not so overly, whatever you wanna do, let's do it, 
I'll, I'll come up with the money, I'll work two jobs so you can do this. Or would I have been like, no, no tweet, you can't be in dance, play the violin, play the clarinet, play the piano, be in acting classes, be in uh, beauty pageants, and be in whatever else she was in, singing, two different singing and paying the bass, all of that. No, you can't do all that. Pick one, and that's what you're going to stick with for the next 10 years. I don't know. Maybe I would have been different. Who knows? Who cares? My kids say I was a successful parent. I'm going to tend to believe them to a certain degree, and um, it is what it is. But your upbringing does structure the way you maneuver as an adult, whether you pick up some of those generational curses and you relive them through your kids and then your kids pick up on them or whether you're breaking generational curses and you are cognizant of the fact I am breaking this curse and this is what I went through and I'll be damned if my kids go through this but let me tell you something sometimes curses skip generations don't forget that Sometimes something that your great-great-great-grandmother did that was evil and nasty, it'll skip and it'll fall on you. I got that from the Bible, y'all. So don't jump on me. But somehow, way, I got that from the Bible. Um, but it will skip. And even with, with saying that, I had a family member tell me that they intentionally love their kids hard. Hugs, kisses, I love you. Discipline when they needed to just was the best parent they could be. Not a friend, but a great parent because they were raised like I was raised. No hugs, no kisses, no I love you. A lot of fussing, you know, um, uh, no structure, no structure. So she made sure to give all that to her kids with a lot of love. But her oldest son is just like her mother was. He doesn't hug his wife. He doesn't tell his wife he loves her. Um, you know, he gets aggravated easily. And then when the wife leaves him alone and, you know, she's sad, she goes off. Now he's texting her, oh, I love you. I miss you. But we know what it is. He does love her. He doesn't know how to show that love because we've seen it a million times in our family. You want the person to be around, but you don't want them to be under you. You don't want that touch. You don't want that, oh, I love you, constantly want to rub your back and kiss on. You just want them there, but you want them there at a distance. You don't need the affirmations. You already know. I know how you feel. I don't need to hear it. That's the family we grew up in. So even though his mother gave him 100%, loved on him hard, kissed on him, told him what a great child he was, supported him in his endeavors, um, helped him with his schoolwork, did everything a parent should do, he still ended up acting like his grandma. I call that a generational curse that skipped a generation because she worked hard not to do that. There are other things that are just in your blood. It's, it's in your bloodline. You can't duck it. And if one person can, maybe somebody else can't. So these are things you got to find out how to circumvent them. Do you go through counseling? 
If so, you got to be 100% honest with that counselor. Be open and honest. No need to go to a counselor and you want to hem and haw and, and make up things and not be honest about everything. You got to be an open book. Do you have that one person who is open-minded and honest and intelligent enough to where you talk to them and no matter what they say, you know they're talking from the heart? They'll tell you if you're wrong. They'll tell you when you're right. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll cry with you, whatever. There's nothing wrong with leaning on that person. Just don't look for bandwagoners. I can't say that enough. People, you just want to agree with you. Because I promise you, you're not always right. And you've got to learn to see other people's point of view. I'm talking more to myself than anybody else. You can be wrong. And you can be right, but there can be another way to see things. Open-minded, that's what that's called. Be open-minded to other people's thoughts, their solutions, their, their, their ways of thinking. Be open-minded. Sometimes a meeting of the minds is a beautiful thing. I see things as purple and pink. You see things as green and blue, but we get together and now we both see things as red because I see things as your point of view. You see things in my way. We both agree that we both see things right. Just getting there a different way and it's beautiful. Or you see things as orange and yellow. I see things as black and white. And when we're done talking, I understand why you see things as orange and yellow. I still don't agree. And you understand why I see things as black and white. And you still don't agree, but we're both okay with that. We agree to disagree, and nothing's wrong with that either. You guys, you don't have to jump on everybody's bandwagon. If somebody asks you something, you be honest. If you're going to give an opinion, you don't fold because that's not what they want to hear. And if somebody doesn't agree with you and it's something you want agreement on, you guys come together and talk it out. But be open-minded enough to hear their point of view and make sure they're open-minded enough to hear your point of view and then meet in the middle. Meet in the middle. But if you're a closed-minded person and you don't really want to, you'll listen, but you're listening with your finger up or your mouth open, which means you're just listening so you can rebut what they're saying that person might as well shut up. In a minute, if I'm talking to somebody and I see that they can't wait to talk, their mouth is open and they keep, but, ah, but while I'm talking, I shut up and I smile and I say, go ahead. And no matter what they say after that, I just say, okay, okay. Because they're not trying to hear anything I'm saying anyway. They're just listening so they can rebut whatever I say. Matter of fact, if you ask those kind of people, but what did I say? They're going to guess, but they'll never know what you said because the whole time you're talking, they're thinking about what they want to say next. That's just the moot point. You're, you're losing that battle. You let that one go. But the ones who sit there and you can tell they're actively listening, they're actively listening. So go ahead and express yourself, but allow people to be able to express themselves as well. And keep your minds open, you guys. Do not be closed-minded. Do not be like me. And because every mistake you made in your younger years was met with frowns and disappointment. So now 
you feel like you have to challenge people when they question your moves now or you have to be defensive um, or it hurts your feelings if somebody loves you they just want an understanding they're not trying to hurt you they're not trying to upset you they just want an understanding be patient give it to them let's work on this stuff together you guys all right I'm, I don't know what's going on with me today this took me three days to make this podcast I'm looking at the time now it's at 28 minutes yesterday I started this four times and I got so many interruptions with the first one and I didn't care because my heart wasn't in it but the second one I was so into the podcast I mean I was so but my phone kept ringing and my phone kept ringing and then my husband walks in and he walks straight in the kitchen and starts talking and then I pause it and then my daughter comes home and she starts then I gotta go make a run I came back and my flame was gone I am the type of person when I'm super hyper and excited about something I need to do it then it's like taking coals and setting fire to them and when they're hot they're hot you know they they start off reddish orange and they're burning and and that's me and I'm super hyper and I, I need to get this stuff done and then the coals turn white hot they are as hot as they're possibly gonna get that's me but when that flame goes out and those coals just turn to ash and you take a lighter or a match and you throw it on that coal and try to burn it again it's just gonna keep going out because it's fizzled out <laughs> that's me there's no better way to describe me when my passion leaves it's the same with my writing when I feel like writing I don't care if I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I feel that urge to write I don't get up anymore but when I wake up and I pull out my computer and get ready to write it's gone it's gone I don't have it in me and I have to wait till I get that urge again. But for some reason, the last year, that urge hits me in the middle of the night when I'm asleep. And I'm going to get to the point where I get up out of bed again and start typing and, and doing that. But I don't know what's going on with me. I just don't even want to get out of the bed. And eventually, I fall back asleep. And I know when I wake up, I'm not going to have that urge anymore. So something I'm going to work on and pray through for myself. You guys keep being your positive thoughts. I'll keep you all in my positive thoughts. I love you. If you don't have anybody else to ever give you a positive thought, I'm Sonia.McQueen at ledbymotivation.com. Sonia with a Y, S-O-N-Y-A dot M-C-Q-U-E-E-N at ledbymotivation.com. All right. Have a beautiful day on purpose.